You're listening to. Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. This week's second episode for the second week in a row. It's been a total tidal wave of content from first of all um i don't have that much extra time but i have extra motivation right now i want to be um a source of comfort and education and inspiration to people listening so uh yeah it's been really wild to have this many conversations and to put them out so rapid fire but i hope that you guys are enjoying it and appreciating it um the intention behind it is for First of all, to be a safe space and to be a place where people can kind of open their minds and open their hearts and all the above, just to have refuge from all of this craziness, but not to walk away feeling like distracted, but feeling empowered. That is the intention. So I hope that you guys are getting that. Um, I've been super inspired and educated and enlightened and soothed and all the things like given so much um I don't know, just comfort in having these conversations. So I hope that you're enjoying it. And um, yeah, please keep sending in those messages. And I appreciate the DMs, the the emails, and all the support um, for for these episodes and for everything. Honestly, I've been very, very fortunate having weekly Google Hangouts with my Patreon patrons. That's been amazing. And um yeah, I've I've been given a lot of strength during this time, so I just want to give it right back out into the world, and I hope that you're enjoying it. Um, before I jump into this episode, I do want to do my my um, announcements, if you will. My request, as always, is please be practicing the social distancing and the quarantine and the hand washing and the self care. Um, if you're listening to this in April, anytime, honestly, April onward, we're living in the time of coronavirus. It's crazy. Um, we have a new altered reality that we're going to have to adapt to right now. And uh, l- the last episode was a little bit more aggressive, <laughs> but I'm a little bit more chill today. And I just want to lovingly remind everyone that it is of the utmost importance for us to be personally responsible in this time and to stay away from each other. Do not make exceptions. Do not act like it's like you're the exception to the rule because honestly, there's so many other people who are doing that as well. And if everybody does that, then we're all screwed. Um, You're not only jeopardizing your health, but you're jeopardizing other people's health. And that's not okay. It's like one thing to just like do what you want, but you're literally impacting other people. And that's not fair, not cool, not responsible, not loving, not anything. So please... um, understand the gravity of it and send out your support uh, to the frontline workers right now. It is really, really important for us to stay healthy just to like minimize the fallout to others and the fallout of what's happening to our healthcare system. And I live in California. I live in LA where California and like New York have been hotspots, obviously very densely populated, but New York has definitely taken the brunt of that. That was my last episode checking in with the 699 per pound crew um, out in out in New York and they 
are showing signs of things slowing down. The deaths have been spiking, which is terrible. And that's something that we all need to kind of emotionally, mentally prepare for. But in terms of the confirmed cases, I think we're starting to see it slow down. Um, and New York has definitely been a really, really, really hot, big hot spot. And then as of today, when I'm releasing this, the data has been showing as you know, it comes in that New Orleans has taken a, a huge hit as well. The rise of um, deaths and confirmed cases has been rising. Testing obviously is like not super accessible right now. America has been really, really slow and disorganized when it comes to all of this. So again, the numbers are going to keep changing. It's going to be um, overwhelming and, and informative in different ways over the next days and weeks and months. Um, California is starting to see a, a significant slowdown. Thank God. I think uh, we can attest to the fact that social distancing has been helping tremendously. And that has been relieving our healthcare workers from having hospitals that are overwhelmed and they can't care for all of the sick. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a crazy time. So we just need to do our part um, sending love out to New York, sending love out to New Orleans. Like there's other cities, you know, this is rolling out. Time is a very tricky thing right now. And um, it's giving us new information and different pieces of data that we can then create action plans. Um, I still do really criticize and hold our our national leadership accountable for the lack of preparation and lack of action because that is so crucial right now and there are literally lives at stake. I've already lost a friend to COVID. Um, I found out yesterday that uh, my brother's my brother's law school homie uh, lost his father. This is getting real. So it's, it's definitely um, going to be an important time to take this very seriously. And um, it's not to instill terror and fear into everybody, but we need to kind of come to terms with what's really happening out there and deal with that reality, not run away from it, not um, live in complete terror and fear. Just we have to be centered and ready. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying these things. It's not to uh, promote fear and it's not to make everybody freak out and panic. But we need to have a balanced approach to this. We need to be good within ourselves and understand the connection that we have between ourselves, our habits, our uh, behaviors, and the outside world. They're, they are very much connected. So, um, yeah, just sending love and light out. It's it's going to be a crazy time. We got to hold leadership accountable, and then we also have to hold ourselves accountable because they're going to be very cyclically iterating, for lack of better words. It's going to be an iteration. It's going to be a cycle. It's going to be a learning process for us to to um, do and then see what the results are and then adjust and then do again and then see what the results are and adjust. This is life. You know what I mean? It's just happening at a really intense hyper speed right now. Um, so it's testing us. It's challenging all of us in a lot of different ways. Um, and I don't have enough time in this intro to like go into all of those and I don't know all of them, but my educated guess and my assumption my hypothesis is that it's intense for all of us in different ways so in light of that please act accordingly act in a constructive way act to act to produce the outcome that you want and what we want is peace harmony health wellness um neighborliness order 
respect. Um, so yeah, that's going to take all of us doing our part. Keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm not going to stop. Um, this episode, I'm really, really happy to introduce it because Ellie Lee, who is my guest, is one of, she's like a bright light in a dark universe to me. She is hilarious. She is a fighter. She is a a spiritual warrior. Uh, she's an actor and a host. You know, people differentiate actor and actress. I don't anymore. I just call everyone an actor. But uh, she is originally from New Jersey by way of New York, now living in L.A. And um, she has an incredible story, but her spirit is something that I really was looking forward to sharing. Now, we recorded this a few days ago. And in this new age of coronavirus and COVID-19, um, time is is very bizarre. And even though we recorded this a few days ago, Many lifetimes have passed since then, and everybody's referring to March as like, March was a really long year. Well, yes, it absolutely was. And like the la- this last week has been the longest year as well. Like, swear to God, every day feels like a week and every week feels like a month and every month feels like a day. And like, it's just so insane right now. Um, but yes, there are things that apply from a few days ago that still apply now and things that apply from a few days ago that don't. So please take everything, you know, we talk about with a grain of salt. And um, I wanted to share Ellie's story because when we got to reconnect in L.A., uh, when was that, a month and a half ago, before all of this got really, really crazy, um, we were reconnecting on both being in, like, survival mode. Ellie moved to L.A. from New York to pursue her career in the entertainment industry, and she's just, she's gone through it man and um, hearing everything she's been through and sharing what I've been going through both of us have been dealing with heartbreak with breaking up being alone um, the hustle freelancing trying to make literally ends meet so that we can survive Uh, both of us had kind of been dealing with not just practical stuff of like of the survival mode but very emotional spiritual (laughs) challenges of figuring out how to live and exist and not give up so in light of that I thought, you know, Ellie's just such a great, entertaining, articulate, um, and deep person to share her perspective uh, on all of that with all of you. So I'm really excited for her to share that. And so I hope you enjoy because Ellie, if you're listening, I love you, girl. Um, Also, real quick, sorry, add a few more announcements before we get to that. Please donate any... um, to any funds right now that are for personal protection equipment, for the masks, for the gowns, um, for our frontline workers. I have personally donated to mask-match.com. I had some spare surgical masks and some N95 masks that I had on hand and sent it out to Nevada. And I've been seeing such great efforts uh, through that website, through other websites. Please see where you can uh, donate, like, you know, $5, your coffee money. I know everybody is tight. I'm not assuming anybody has any money to spare right now. But if you are feeling feeling generous and feeling like you can spare a dollar or five or whatever. Um, or if you're one of my independent wealthy listeners and you can provide, please, I think it, it takes some level of like thought and consciousness to strategize and plan where you can contribute your resources. And if you cannot do, you know, dollars, at least in terms of social media and bringing awareness, that is all free. Um it's not technically free because you're paying for like phone and internet, but you get what I'm saying. We're all online anyway. So just do what you can. And shout out to all the manufacturers and all the apparel workers, all of the different factories that are 
you know, switching gears and and putting all their efforts into supporting our frontline workers to stay safe. They do need as much physical barrier to deal with the fact that they're dealing with sick patients. And Honestly, obviously right now it's like a huge influx of COVID patients, but they're dealing with sick patients otherwise too, right? And they need that protection um, and not being, you know, victim to having to reuse stuff that's just unsanitary, it's unsafe. And we do not need our frontline workers to get sick right now. They are literally at war. There are warriors right now, so we need them to be as safe as possible. So if you can, please contribute to that. Again, shout out to Good Fight for uh, their mask. I I ordered a mask from Good Fight. I'm also going to be ordering a mask from Human Good LA that's run by Jubilee Media because I feel like, you know, I can support right now. I can afford to support one extra mask and also it'll help me prevent uh, having to do laundry too many times. I can just like rotate. I don't know. I'm going to have to figure out my sanitation protocol as well. But yeah, support where you can. Um, donate where you can. Spread the word where you can. Everybody can do something. Each one teach one. Spread awareness and support and love. So yeah, that's the shout out to that and a reminder to fill out the 2020 census. It is very important right now that we all be counted because this count that happens every 10 years will dictate where uh, $675 billion will be distributed. This is for public services. This is for hospitals and schools. This is for zoning. This is for your representation in government, for the House of Representatives. This count really, really matters. So please don't take it lightly. Please do your part. It's your civic duty. It is your power. It's your voice. Exercise it and go do the dang thing. And you do that with all my love and support. So without further ado, I'm happy to introduce this episode on surviving and doing the inner work with Ellie Lee. I hope that you enjoy. I love you. Stay safe and wash your hands. Bye. I feel so comforted right now that I'm like looking at you while you hold a microphone. It feels like this is how life is supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, girl? You know, I'm out in these. <laughs> I'm out in these New Jersey streets with the fam, quarantined. Uh, you know, uh, my county is number one for deaths and infections. So, are you for real? Yeah. So, because we're right uh, next to New York City, so it's been scary. It's really scary, and you can really feel it in the air. It's very weird. Everything's very weird. Girl, I didn't even know because I've been keeping up with your Instagram because it gives me life, first of all. And I love you and everybody who is listening. If you don't follow Ellie Lee, what are you doing with your oh, life? Um, but I didn't realize that. you. When did you go back to the East Coast? So, <laughs> so funny story. Okay. Um, basically, the last, I'd say the last three months of my life have been the hardest months of my life. Uh, mm. Everything that everyone's going through right now in terms of uh, being scared of uh, money, career, the future is everything that I was feeling on a very intense level the last three months. And it's funny, uh, my friend who's like very in tune with just like energy and just like all this stuff. She was like, I honestly think that you were feeling it right before everyone got it because I was having nervous breakdowns. I was it, I was in a really bad emotional place. And I really was thinking of packing up and moving back to New York. Everyone's like, Ellie, you've been there for eight months. And I'm like, yeah, but it's been the hardest eight months of my life. And I'm not stable right now. 
I was just crying, not eating, shaking for like days on end. It was just really bad. So my brother decided to come stay with me for five days and work from my apartment. But that was that was when Corona started to hit New York. And so everybody started getting notices saying you're everyone needs to work from home indefinitely. So my brother was like, I'm going to extend my flight and like stay with you and then I'm going to go back. But the day, like probably three days before he was going to leave, Corona hit L.A. I would say for me, I don't know for you, Minj, but like I feel like uh, Corona really made L.A. realize it was real when the NBA shut down. Yes. Yeah. I was at this like show premiere and usually show premieres like they're packed, like so many people are there, all this stuff. There was like nobody there and everybody just picked up their phone and started reading about NBA and everyone's like, whoa, this is real. And it's like, what is going on? See, I'm not even tuned into the the sports world myself because it's something that I pay attention to. I just saw it on Instagram. So I noticed that like there's different cues, right? Like picking up on how people are letting this sink in and like recognize this is a real thing. But I did. I remember I saw somebody's post about that. So it wasn't like me participating in it, but I saw that it was like a, a moment of recognition. Like, OK, we need to we need to take this very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So. My brother was like, you know what? This is getting really bad. Why don't you just come back and like be with the family and let's just go and quarantine together? And for me, it was like I was already feeling really like not great, like internally. And I was just like, you know what? Let's go do that. So I've been in New Jersey with my family since. So I've been here for like almost a month. Almost a month now, girl. And I just saw you because I saw you at the what, end of February. When I had no, no sense of time. March. March? Yeah. We Beginning of March? No, it's February, girl. Because I saw you in it. See, I was traveling like a mofo too. And this is where it was all jumbled up because I was traveling. I went to Seattle to see my baby brother um, end-ish of February. That was like the second to last weekend of February. Yes. So I saw you the right after I got back. Then I took my ass to Austin and New York after that. Yes. So so my, I, I'm telling you, I've been having this whole unpacking moment of like, why did I go? Like, I was one of those that was like not taking it fully. I, I took it seriously, but then I was like, it's not going to impact me. Yeah. Um, We're going to take precautions. Like, it was my cousin's wedding. Like, I was like, I'm not missing this wedding. And they were even thinking about, should we cancel? And honestly, they, they had their wedding the first weekend of March in Austin. And I was supposed to be there for South By. And I was going to be there for like two weeks but girl, the day I landed, they canceled South by, and it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like every day was another yeah, got worse shift, and worse. another yep. yeah. So I'm glad you're out with your family because when we checked in, this is like why I want. We wanted to have a whole podcast situation before any of this was like going truly nuts, but you've been having a moment. Like I've been having a moment, and we were like commiserating together when I saw you at the end of February, and it's totally relevant to all of this that is going on for the rest of humanity now. You know, there's a lot of people that have been going through different struggles, but it was kind of like, you're really in the thick of it. And so I was like, what better light to bring into this world? And just, I want to vent with you too, because that was therapy for me when I saw you at the end of February. And um, yeah, I, I was telling friends that I felt like my own inner struggle and the turmoil I was going through with like everything was like a mental, emotional preparation mm -hmm. for this moment of chaos. <laughs> and so 
Okay, so you've been in New Jersey for a month. I did not know it was that bad there. Like I knew, I know in general, like we know New York is like a very dire situation right now. I didn't know that your county was that bad. What county are you in? So we're in Bergen County. So we're right next to the George Washington Bridge by like Harlem. Okay. So everybody is a commuter. They go in and out of the city. Everybody works in this in the city. My dad works in the city. Everybody. So it's been just i mean the numbers in new york right now are just so insane and they're saying it's about to like this week is going to probably be the worst in deaths and it's just like there's so much fear i think and anxiety and nervousness that we're we are also putting out energetically because nobody knows what's happening and there are no answers and people have no idea when we're going to get out of quarantine which is just Uh it, it you know this is the unimaginable and it's happening to us. I read, I was reading this New York times article and this pastor called it the greatest uh, catastrophic event of our generation. And I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) what is going on? Like, yeah, it really hits you in those moments where it's like, Holy, this is real. For sure. I, I've been trying to understand it from every angle. Like you and I, we're connected and talking about just like our personal journeys and talking about things on a very practical level. Cause like the fact that you've been in LA for eight months and doing this dream pursuit and, and figuring out this freelance life and it's freaking expensive out here. It's sketchy out here in its own way. Like all of that on a practical level to survive. But then like also like the spiritual aspect, like, cause it's such a mental, like emotional, like genuine physical, a uh, spiritual test, right? Of like your will, yep. all of these. I've been just like, I mean, I'm I'm keeping busy. I got a lot going on. I'm trying to keep my hustle going and and stay afloat. But girl, I've been like, I've been going at it in my brain, just like approaching this from every angle. And you, you've been definitely like sharing your thoughts on that on like your Instagram. Yeah, I'd love to like bring that to light. And you've been sharing some really amazing gems about stress and like everything. Yeah. So basically the last eight months of my life, I moved into, you know, I moved from New York City to L.A. And I came with my serious boyfriend who I was with for a long time and we broke up. And then I realized I had to navigate L.A. on my own now without support and kind of like the person that was my rock for so long on top of the fact that I just like wasn't booking gigs on top of the fact that I had to survive. And so when everything kind of came crashing down, I really experienced everything on such an intense level where when I read Facebook messages, I'm part of like a lot of groups on Facebook. I don't know if that's like really uh-huh. old of me, but I don't know. I'm part of a lot of. No, it's not girl. Okay. We repurpose. We keep, we keep evolving with the times. Okay. Better or worse. Facebook is still very relevant. Anyway. Yeah, it is. It is. And so everybody's just freaking out, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I don't know. Because people who have never lived the freelance life as well, this is a very scary thing. Because if you haven't lived through this, this is the, ooh, I mean, the first time I got fired, I broke down, you know, or not. When did you get fired? I mean, lay, uh, laid off, laid off. Okay. During like a massive layoff. Like I broke down because I had never experienced that before. So for people who are experiencing it, it is harsh. But also, Minji, what I'm learning is that nothing is everything. There are silver linings to everything, right? Yeah. We can look at this time and be like, this is the most horrible thing that's happening. This is ruining everything. The economy, nobody, all, blah, blah, all this stuff, right? 
or mm-hmm. we can we can take this time to be like okay hold on mother nature has uh rebuttaled and is saying y'all be f enough for a very long time all right you're destroying everything and now here is going to be a worldwide disease because y'all are the worst and it's really making everybody kind of take a step back and be like whoa because no one's experienced this before everyone's kind of just like this is and i'm I'm telling you people are gonna have ptsd after this people are like this is a very traumatic experience that we're all going through right now but you, we need to find the silver linings like this. How, what are you discovering in these moments when you have nothing else to do? Like, yes, if you're working, you still have all your weekends and you have your nights. And so all of this time where there's not, we're not rushing to this and we're not rushing to that. And I got to go hang out with her and I got to go do that plan. Now it's all about inner work. You, you, you have to get quiet with yourself because there's nothing else to do. So I really feel like this is a time for self-reflection and self-work and how do I navigate this new life that's a, that's approaching us because everything's going to be different after this. So it's about how are we going to be comfortable and accepting of the present because the future is so uncontrollable. There is look at us. Everyone had a million plans, you know, uh, um next year weddings, uh 3 years I'm going to do this movie or blah 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 blah, right? And yep. One thing happens like this and everything is gone. And you know what I'm saying? It's it just yeah. it's a humbling humbling time and I really think that it's 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 truly a, a beautiful time even though it's probably the hardest for everybody. For sure. And I, and I've been I've I've been of the same mindset with full recognition that for sometimes when someone's going through something really hard, it can be really difficult to even hear somebody even try to come up with that silver lining, even though that that is true, right? In your despair, in that moment, it's hard to be like, no, it's just terrible, right? And so it it, it is a moment and I'm not trying to take away from that. And I, I need to always put that as a disclaimer. It's not some like frou-frou, like, you know, everything's going to be okay. To me, it's like, that's facts. We're survivors. We we will rise to the occasion and we will we will figure out a way to survive this and thrive. Um, but in this moment, yeah, is this awful, right? And so I want to distinguish those things because sometimes the way I have received it in times where I'm just like broken and a freaking mess and I'm crying, I'm feeling ugly, I'm feeling like broke, just all of the bad. Um, it can it it can come, it can be received wrong sometimes because I felt that where I'm like don't make light of like the the level of my stress and worry and all this stuff, you know? So it's like, it's a recognition of that, but I do want to also be encouraging and also like practical in the way of like, we're going to be okay. We're going to make sure we're going to be okay. And that's where I do see more examples, even though maybe necessarily in like media or whatever, we're seeing clickbait and all this stuff of all the, all the tragedy that's happening and all the stress and all the numbers, the unemployment, like it is, I'm not taking away from that. But at the same time, also, we're going to get smarter because of this. We're going to get more strategic. We're going to like adjust our behavior, adjust our attitudes, like what you're saying in the self-reflection. I personally really do believe in our ability to rise above. We're going to be like, okay, so this is all this is all effed up. Like, what are we going to do about it now? Um, because we have to. You know what I mean? I feel like that right now it's literally do or die. We don't have an option like if you don't adjust, if you don't fix, if you don't self-reflect, what's going to happen? Well, because you might die. <laughs> because this is bringing up so much for people. 
the bi- mm-hmm. the biggest fears, you know, the the biggest shadows in their life. And so mm-hmm. this is the time to confront it because we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Literally, like when I read articles, like you, you were saying, unemployment rates, uh, like because I was thinking to myself, like, what does the entertainment industry look like after this too, right? It's forever changed or it's going to be changed for a very long time. And then if if jobs aren't opening up quickly, the jobs that are open, like grocery store or like whatever it may be, everybody's going to be flocking to them. So now we're competing like <laughs> double, triple time with everybody. And it's just like, how are we supposed to make money during this time? So it's just mm-hmm. so much uncertainty. It's so, you just don't know. So what can you control in the moment is just educating yourself for sure, but not freaking yourself out and stressing yourself out because do like the, keeping up with the news is great. I think it's important, but I also think that when it becomes unhealthy, you got to step back and be like today I deleted TikTok and I was like, I got to take a step back. This shit is crazy. Girl, I haven't even gone there yet. I've been, I've been watching the TikToks that other people are sharing. I was like, that's enough of, of me getting exposure to that. So, but good for you for taking it's, it's, you got to take action. You're like doing the self care. If that's even deleting an app and like, I've actually was encouraged by a friend to like take like put a day or like a six hour block even to not look at any social media app, like find something else to do and make it a point like commit to that six hour block. You're going to take a mental cleanse from that because it is like it's a default. You know what I mean? It's like our habit to just engage and like go and check out things and see what's going on. But the repercussions of that is that it does take such a mental toll. So good, good for you for doing that. You know, I think that I was talking to someone and, you know, they were like, we have to be okay with not overwhelming ourselves with like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. Just because it's true. Like right now we need to be taking care of like our mental and emotional health. And when we're still working on that stress level, when everything on the outer external world is like kind of crumbling, it doesn't. Uh, what's the word? It doesn't, uh, what's the word when it's like, it doesn't serve you. It, it's not going to serve you. So if you want to take the day to like watch movies all day, if you want to take the day and just eat whatever you want and just like be a bum, take those days because these days are given to us also to just like take a effing moment, especially in America, especially in New York, especially in LA, the huge cities where all we do is move, 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 move. We have to be kind to ourselves during these times because it's just a shit show. For sure. And I, I, I have mentioned this and this is why I feel like there's a, a universal relevance to this episode, whether like, cause theoretically, you know, this, I, I, I know and understand and believe that this moment's going to pass and we're going to have a future normal and where things are not so isolated and quarantined, but the relevance of this discussion on survival and like figuring out how to rise above all this, um, it has its relevance based on like, your story and your life experience. So I kind of want to bring it back to that because I mentioned at the, I did the intro to be your hype woman because I love you and I think you're amazing, but that, you know, you're a host, you're an actress and that you've been on this grind for years. You came from New York to LA. And I want to kind of like talk about that too, because there's, there's a lesson that we're learning right now that will be applicable no matter where, if we're in coronavirus pandemic mode or whether we're just like back to normal, quote unquote, and like just living everyday life, right? Because like we were saying, we've kind of touched upon that, that before we ever reach this chaotic moment, you are in your, you are in a very dire moment of your life already, right? So I, I touched upon the facts, like, okay, host, actress and all that stuff, but can you recap like 
how you got like what what that was like because I I want to kind of like get the entirety of your resume for that to be for people to understand like what was really going on. So like I grew up in New Jersey. My parents own retail stores. I like I'm I've never been around Hollywood or celebrities or anything. But my family we'd always go see the movies in the theaters. And I don't remember what movie it was, but I remember watching a movie on the big screen one time and just being so encaptivated by like these people that were like acting and this is what they got to do and they got to express themselves in this way. And I truly felt like when I was a little girl, I was like, that's what I want to do. But I think when you're not surrounded by it and when you uh, don't know anybody that's in it, for me, it was like, oh, this is impossible for me. Number one, because I don't see people that look like me in movies or TV shows. And number two, uh, I don't know anybody. So like this probably doesn't happen to people like me out here in New Jersey. So I really mm-hmm. like buried that dream like super deep. I was like, just like ignore it. I just keep going. And I think that when I was growing up, I'm a kid of the late 80s. So I grew up with Total Request Live. TRL. Yeah. And that was like this, that was the moment of like the, and like the VJs, the on-camera host. And it was like Carson Daly and all these things. And I used to watch that show and I used to be like, that's what I want to do. I want to go and I want to interview people in the industry and like see how they got to where they are. And so that's how I kind of kickstarted this thing of like really chasing this. So I started to do it in college. I like booked my first on-camera gig, gig on Anime News Network. And I like, talked about anime. I had no idea what I was saying, but I talked about <laughs> it. And it was like the first time someone was paying me to do that. And I was a K-pop writer. So then I started interviewing like K-pop stars that would come to the States and I would do like interviews with them for YouTube. And so I knew, okay, this is what I wanted to do. But you and I, I think graduated the same year in 2009 when the economy crashed. Like, uh, Technically, I was 2008. I was supposed to graduate in 2007. Oh, okay, so okay, okay. I was I was a tiny bit early, so I I actually got very very lucky, and I look at the difference that one year can make. I I think I got I got into the workforce like just in time, yeah. Because right after me is when everything yeah just went to shit, apart. yeah. So that's when I graduated college. So there were mm. no mm. jobs, and so I was I was just working at my dad's store for like a year and a half, and then I got a job at this like small mar- uh, marketing firm. And I literally felt like my soul was dying. I like me sitting in front of a computer emailing or like going to meetings and talking about things I don't care about. That's just not in my DNA. And I have a tendency like if I can't pay it, if you don't get my attention in like the first two minutes, I'm fall, I fall asleep. I'm like notorious for that. So like I used to fall asleep in meetings all the time. Like it was a mess and I hated it. And then during that time when I was working there, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to take an acting class because like this thing is screaming really loud in me and I just want to do it and see if I love it. And I did it. I fell so hard in love with it. And I went, I was like, this is it. I'm going to go for this. So I started auditioning and taking classes everywhere all over New York City. And I booked this like really small play and it was like off, 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 off Broadway. And they were paying me a stipend of $200. And I was like, this is the dream. I went into my boss's office and I was like, I'm quitting uh, because I'm going to go pursue being an actor. And he literally told me that he, if, if he could advise me as someone that was older and knew me, uh, I shouldn't do it because um, I'm probably going to have to sleep my way to the top. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. And he said, I've seen it what? so much. He's like, I've seen it so much in the industry. And I, I looked at him. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But thanks for your advice. And I'm still going to leave. 
And so I left and I sat in my apartment the next day and I was, I felt so free and I was like, okay, how am I going to make money? Right. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, what do I love? What do I love? What do I love? And I was like, oh, I love dogs. So I literally just started scouring Craigslist every day and applying for anything and everything I could. And I got long story short, I started walking the richest dog I've ever walked for the richest family I've ever walked for. It was in the Upper West Side, right next to Central Park. They lived in an $11 million apartment. And all I had to do was take this dog for 45 minutes to Central Park every morning. And it was the most, it was the most beautiful, most therapeutic time. Because I really just had such a beautiful time doing that. They paid me good money. And that kickstarted my dog walking career. So like I really, I became a dog walker all over Manhattan. And I was like, I love you yeah. so much, Ellie. This is like, I, I swear, you're also sidebar real quick. You're in Aries, right? Yeah, double Aries. Yeah, you you are hell girlfriend. I love you so much. This is like, this is the entrepreneur. This is like the no take no prisoners. Like, I'm gonna go get mine. I'm gonna go handle this and walk dogs. And I love that you coincided like your true love because I girl, I know you love dogs, and you did that to like support yourself to go on this endeavor. Yeah, I just need to, I need to take a moment to applaud that Thanks. because. Girl. It says so much. I feel like that encapsulates you, like your essence that Thank I that you, I understand. Girl. Thank you, girl. And listen, I when I was walking dogs, Trader Joe's was my best friend, yo. I was going <laughs> Trader Joe's, I survived because of those prices. Let me just a shout out to TJ real quick. Um We love you, TJ. We really love you, TJ. So so I was going hard, Minji. Like I literally I went to every class. Any class that I could afford, I went to every acting class. I would go to like, you know how they do readings of like new plays or something. I would go to all of those things by myself. I would go to, I would become an usher at a theaters all over New York City so that I could watch a show for free. I could watch the play for free. I Girl. was just so deep in it and I loved it so much and I wanted it so much. And and then I found this woman that like, she was like a manager. She was up and coming and she was like, I believe in you. Let's do this. And while she was putting me out for acting, I was like, oh, by the way, like I'm a host. But at that point I had done like MTV Korea. I had hosted like a top 10 countdown music show with them, did live shows with them. But I really didn't want to do the hosting thing. I really wanted to do the acting thing. But she was like, what do you mean you're a host? And I sent her my reel. She's like, why didn't you tell me that you do this? And I was like, because I'm trying to be an actor, a thespian. Okay. I'm not trying to be a host anymore. And she was like, girl, she's like, girl, you dumb. And I was like, okay. <laughs> So she ended up getting me all these auditions and then VH1 came along and they were looking for a pop culture correspondent and they wanted to have me come and audition. And so I remember going to the audition at Viacom, which is like right in the middle of Times Square and Viacom owns like Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV, VH1, whatever. And I remember going up there and walking into the room and there was like a super pretty white girl that I recognized. Like she was like a well-known girl walking into the audition room. There was a super cute Latina girl sitting on the couch signing in. And I literally sat down and I texted my brother and I was like, um, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I think that I should just leave. And and uh, I, uh, I just want to let you know that. And my brother goes, Nuna, there's a reason why you're there. He's like, show them what they, what you have. And I was like, all right. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So the Latina girl went in. And then I went to the audition. And to this day, I always tell everybody, it's literally the most intense audition I've ever did. It was like 45 minutes and they threw everything at me. Like they wanted to know if you knew exactly everything about pop culture and how fast are you on your feet. Dang. Yeah, it was it was an intense audition. And I really walked out of the audition being like, oh, I, I just nailed that. Like I really nailed that. And so 
the process was really long for like, it was like four months. I had to wait. I had to do all these other meetings with like executive producers, blah, blah, blah. And then the week that I was going to find out if I booked it or not, I decided that if I didn't book this, I was going to move on with my life because at that point I had been so, the ups and downs were so crazy and just not with the VH1, just like the dog walking, just the hustling, just the grind. It was just, it, it really, and I think when you do it in New York City on such an intense level constantly, it just like wears on you. And yeah, I threw so much money to acting class, like all this, I was just like over it. And then my my manager calls me and she goes, hey, and I was like, hey, um, you didn't get it. And I was like, and I started crying. And she was like, just kidding, bitch, you booked it. <laughs> I was like, why would you do that? And so I ended up booking being the, the VH1 News' new pop culture host. But also uh, the morning show, I, I met with the executives and they really loved me. And they wanted, they decided they wanted to put me on the show with Nick Lachey like five days live on national mm-hmm. television to be the correspondent. And so I went from picking up shit five days, seven days a week to literally being on live television and just like being so busy and just, it was uh, to this day, one of the best experiences of my life, for sure. It was one of the best experiences of my life witnessing because I had met you before then at Collaboration New York where you hosted and you owned that. And I was Aww. like, this girl is a freaking superstar. Aww, you. you you hosted with David Yee. That was amazing. It was hilarious. That was the Aquafina show, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all all of it. I was like, damn, New York. Like, oh, like it, it gave me a lot of life. And then I watched you just like, you know, walk off and do your life. I started following you on Instagram and I was like, okay, so now she's on VH1 with Nick Lachey. Like, I called it. No, I sat, I sat. <laughs> but it's, 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 that's something like really, really special to witness. Cause I, I have been able, I've been fortunate enough to be around people and it's such a great feeling. A lot of people feel that just about people they're fans of, right? Just to see their growth. And it, it, it is incredibly inspiring. And, and those are people who don't even know the dog walking grind. They don't, but, but they kind of assume, cause I think it's kind of an implicit part of this, this hustle. You're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices. You're going to have to do a lot of dirty work or things that are not ideal, but are necessary for you to like get to that next thing. Right. So it's this combination of drive and humility and just like perseverance. Cause damn girl, like I don't know, just from your stories, I, I and I have my versions of it too. It is a very, very mental, mentally draining process. And I think everybody goes through that version. I think like no matter, this is what I always kind of like translate because I feel like even if somebody is not in Hollywood, because a lot of the people that I have on this podcast are like creatives like you and me, but everyone has their version of their grind. Do you know what I'm saying? Like whether that is the office job, like to show up every day at the same time and be consistent and be, you know, polite and respectful and win the the respect of, of your colleagues and like work your way up in a company. Like that's a grind too, even though that's not my grind or your grind. Like we all have our versions of like, the hustle, like it's, it's, it's a lot, it takes a lot out of anybody to figure out which way do you want to go and how do you want to do it? So I don't know. I just, I, I've, I've had so much fun, like watching that. I was like, Ellie's like, oh, the thing with Nick Lachey, oh my God. I have DVDs of like newlyweds and like 90 degrees. Like I, you know, I used to think I was going to play that at my wedding and all that. So like, it's crazy. And that was like your co-host. Yeah, man. And he was the best. And I just, I learned a lot from that whole experience 
And I think that it, it just really made me grow up really fast in a way. And so I, I don't know, I just really appreciate that moment in my life. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then and then and then fast forward because like that that happened and then what switch for like where did that what happened between that and LA to like bring you here? Cause that was like mm-hmm. so a big moment. Yeah. So after VH1, I started hosting more and then I started booking some acting stuff. So I did my first feature film where I was like the lead in it in an indie film. And I've done, you know, uh, you know, little comedies for like Snapchat. And so I've been uh, acting would I love to be acting more yeah of course you know and but uh, you know I, I was a video digital host for iHeartRadio and a lot of like my k-pop interviews at that place really blew up on the internet and so you know I and I do segments on the Wendy Williams show blah 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 so and so basically you know I've been a New York City girl for what nine years and I just felt I had an opportunity that came to me that was going to be shot in LA and I was like you know what let's just go do it it, this is like my calling. Let's go. And so almost a year ago, we left to go to L.A. And that's when my life really started to fall apart. <laughs> I love how we're like cracking up at this. And I love you. And I'm not like laughing at it. It's just I know. It's just that I know is all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it was so funny. We did a 12 day cross country road trip and every day on that trip, I I just kept thinking to myself like, man, like what is like, what's waiting for me in LA? Y'all It's like, I am so excited. I am so, oh my God. I mean, the amount of times I got slapped in the face, just like, just like so, so many times were a little broken on my knees, just being like, I can't do another moment because the reality of it too, is that I'm. I suffer from mental illness. I've had depression, anxiety since I was very, very young. Like I remember just always feeling like this since I was, since I could remember. And Mm. so I understand that it's a part of me and what can I do but accept it. But when it hits me, it hits me really hard and I really can go into dark places and dark holes. And, and so these last eight months in LA have shown me some many things though. Because basically I felt like the universe and God was like, okay, so we're going to take you away from everything and everybody that you know, and you're going to be going through this by yourself. And, and so that, because listen, you're my friend in LA. I have a lot of friends in LA, but everybody is like a new friend. You know, it's like, I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown in front of like a new friend, be like, Hey, (laughs) and then do all of that. And then like expect to like have like a frolicking relationship afterwards. So I had to do and go through a lot of things on my own and really trust in faith and it was just a very humbling experience on many many levels so I'm very grateful for it and I think that's reason why I haven't broken down since corona started because I'm like first of all I'm tired <laughs> second of all I, I'm not I'm, I can't keep living that narrative that every I don't know what's going on and I'm freaking out it's like right I just can't I can't be vibing that way anymore I feel you in, ter- in terms of like, yeah, I hit my breakdown quota um, by February. So I think I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of them. Yeah, we need a now. break. We, need, uh, a we break. need a break from the breakdowns. Um, but I, I really respect that because they're, they're, again, coping. A lot of people are learning what their coping mechanisms are, right? And we've had you dabble in your coping mechanisms because like the crises come and go in different forms and variations, but they're usually spread out. Right. They're usually kind of like every once in a while, hard moment comes. You got to figure it out. You got to regroup. But I think for you, 
For sure. I mean, I I really do. And it's not necessarily like about my journey. This is like about yours. But I do relate a lot to like feeling like you had one damn thing after another. Like people complain. And a lot of people felt that way about 2019. And now we're in this mode of like, I need to apologize to 2019 because it really wasn't that bad. Um, but 2019 was like a mother for so many people. You just got like handed one thing after another. And for me, like, you know, my friend passing away and like relationship issues with, with Kenji and like figuring things out that were really, I was, I'd never, you never feel ready for that. Right. And you just got to take it as it comes. And then, but then you keep getting, here's another thing. Here's another thing. By the way, like you're not going to get a job for a month. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, you got a new bill. Like, oh, there's a new thing. And now you got to, it's just like one after another, right? So in reflecting on these things and in reflecting on what it took to survive those moments, what were your key coping mechanisms? I mean, I feel like your awareness and your acceptance of this reality is kind of number one. You don't feel, I don't feel like, you know, as much as it can like slam you in the face, you, you're the kind of person that's like, okay, so this is what this is versus like, you're not, you're not in denial of it, right? Like, you're not like, this is fine. You're like, no, this is terrible, but here we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how I get it from you. Yeah. I'm very just in tune with myself. Like I always know what I'm feeling all the time and what's going on within me all the time. And so I feel like the way that I navigated was, first of all, I got really close to my family through that time because they were really there for me. I mean, on, Mm -hmm. on the phone every hour. (laughs) I was like, I would call my mom every hour. She'd be like, oh, oh you, uh, hello, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I got really close to my family during that whole thing. But also I made sure I was meditating. I made sure mm. that I was praying. I made sure that I was constantly talking to people who could walk me through just like the sheer pain of it all. The sheer just fear of the unknown and fear of, Because I think that when I get low, the narrative for me is undeservingness, unworthiness, you're not talented, you're you're playing yourself, like what are you doing? For that to keep playing, it does nothing but kind of poison you. And I feel as if I learned from that and I know now that if I were to hit ever that rock bottom again, I understand how to navigate it in a more, in a way that will... Uh, protect me instead of just like scar me so much because I really feel like I got beat up like in the last three months really for sure and it sounds like you're recognizing that it was like the external circumstances obviously they they take a toll on you they are things that are gonna knock you on your butt and then also but you're also recognizing you were beating yourself up and that 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 is some that is some hard stuff to I guess, resolve. Like, it's one thing to recognize it, which I think is, like, completely admirable. And um, it's very brave to just, like, own up to that and, like, face that. But then, like, also, once you're there, for a lot of people, including myself, repeatedly, you're just like, well, then now what? Yeah. Like, how? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. okay, cool. I get it. I'm I'm not good to myself. I have these, like, toxic, terrible voices in my head that just, like, continue to keep me in a place of feeling unworthy or, like... And that's that's like my repeated struggle. Like every, I swear, like still every day in some little version, it's not as big as it used to be. I remember you and I talked about this end of February. Like we talked about ego. Mm-hmm. Can you can you yeah shed your light on that? Because that was like a great chat that we had. Yeah. So 
you know, your ego is obviously there for, you know, for a reason, right? God wasn't <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm giving you this because I want to F your life up. But, you know, for me, when I first think of ego, I just think of my pride a lot. That's like the first thing I think of. And I, when I was, when I was in LA, I wasn't booking anything because I wasn't going out a lot. And also I was like new to town. So it wasn't like, you know, people were like, oh, you want to be doing this? You want to be doing that? And so I refused to get any kind of side job. I was like, no, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I've already done that. And I'm over that. And I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to do it. And when everything kind of crumbled and I realized that I needed to survive financially and just figure out what the hell I was doing, I had to swallow so much of my pride and my I really had to check my ego and be like, bro, if you want this and you sacrifice all this stuff to do this, you are going to man up because you are not bigger or better than any of this. So mm-hmm. you better figure it out or go the fuck home. And the realization of that was harsh and really hard for me. And I had to buckle up and just bite through it. And I, I've been doing things that I never thought that I would be doing at this time in my life. Like I give this example, like I literally like was delivering Amazon packages in like, like rough talent, like rough parts of LA. Like that was one of the most humbling experiences of my life. I mm-hmm. broke down in the car after I did that. I was like, oh my God. And it's not even like it's a bad job, but I was it. I was chosen to go to like a bad neighborhood and my phone was dying. I didn't have enough gas and I couldn't park anywhere to like go deliver. The, it was just like a mess. And for like a woman, I just feel like it's not safe. So I just. Yeah, felt, that's like my number one thing. I was like, were you okay? Exactly. Like, like, it didn't feel safe. And then that's just like one of many side gigs that I've really had to check my ego with, you know? But also the ego tells you a lot of things to kind of protect you from it because you're scared of it, right? So the ego is there to like block you from doing the thing that freaks you out. So when you go to an audition and you don't do well and you come out, instead of being nice to yourself and and being like, you know what, you showed up for yourself, you went and chased your dream today. And even if it didn't work out, it's fine. You're amazing. Keep going. The ego mm-hmm. will come in and be like, oh, you know what? This thing, mm-mm. I just don't think, I just don't think you got it going on. And I think that you should look at something else because this is too much. This, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. those aren't real. These negative narratives and these thoughts that we make up for ourselves of thinking that we are not deserving of something isn't real. That's just the ego trying to protect us from things that are fearful. But what they don't tell you is that life is actually just about walking through fear. That's literally what life is about. It's about, oh, that's scary. That freaks me out. Okay, I'm going to walk through it. And then when you walk through it and you go through it and the feeling of, holy shit, I just did that. That's what life is about. And when when you keep doing that, what it does is that it leads you to your purpose in this life. What is your purpose in this life? Like this, you being here, Minji, whoever being here, me being here, this is not like by mistake. We are here to serve something and the goal in life is not to like get married, have babies and like be really rich and like go to picnics on Sundays and da da da. That's not what life's about. Life's about what is your purpose on this earth and how are you going to leave a mark in your own way and that when you go, you're like, I did my thing. For sure. And I just love you first. I just need to say. And it's the ego, like for me, I've had this like complicated relationship with it because I feel like I have had... I had a recognition 
for a while at this point of like, I felt, I feel like I've had a hyperinflated ego mm. and like a low self-esteem. Mm. Like, and so, you know, the ego has taken me some good places, I guess, like a byproduct of being ego driven was like being really achievement oriented, right? Like my goals were very much on like, I got to do this. I got to get that. And like, I got to go, if I do this, I want to do it at like the top, top level. I won't want to be, you know, at some low grade version, but that's like, you know, in hindsight, when I, if I'm really being real with myself, it is it's not coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of like, I'm trying to prove something. And if I don't prove it on the flip side, if I do not prove it, then I am not worthy. I'm not, I'm lesser than da, 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 da. So having everything dictated, here's like, I'm trying to come to a good relationship because I think that ego has utility. It has, it can be very like a driving force. And I'm still trying to even fully understand the nuances of it. But when I recognize how much of my actions and like my life and my my goals and my purpose was rooted in that, the more I chase things out of that, the more that it like, it would bite me in my ass. You know what I mean? Because it wouldn't be truly fulfilling. Yeah, I would get moments of like, of feeling good about myself, but it was very short lived. And it wasn't like, you know what I mean? And like, that's, the, that's a thing that I, I hopefully, you know, just growing older and gaining some sort of like maturity and wisdom has, has opened my eyes to like, those are not purpose driven. Those were ego driven. Yes. And then when you did not get it, that's when it messed with you. And like, that's when you felt all these things of like shame and feeling like you're just not worthy. And that's the stuff that I'm really like, it has been a very big evaluation of that for sure like all these moments yeah for sure and i think a lot of it too for us it's external validation how can mm -hmm. anybody not want to get patted on the back and said good job you're amazing you're talented you're this you're that and i think for me a lot of it has been external validation and when i do inner work i realize like oh like for me it's deep it's like for me i never grew up like really being great at anything so i was never complimented in like talents or skills and so when i really fell in love with something i was like i have something to prove and I, but who are you proving to and i think that what people forget is that the validation the reason why all those things that we think that are going to make us happy or give us fulfillment just like you said they're just moments in time right and throughout all those moments in time who is there you so mm -hmm. you are home. Everything within you, everything that you admire in other people that you say, like when you say to me, I love you, you see something in me that you really admire because it's inside of you. And, and when people really start to understand what it means to come home to yourself, what it really means to, you are the only thing that goes with you everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you are presenting yourself outside in the world. So the question is, how the fuck are you going to show up? And right. how are you going to, to show yourself and be a light to people in this very dark place that we live in? Right. And, and, and I think people don't understand, well, what does it mean to come home to yourself? It's loving, truly, truly, truly loving yourself, understanding that you are limitless, that everything that you desire in this life is for you, but you got to know that you're fucking worth it. And there's a lot of work to do when it comes to self-love and really healing from all of the shit that you grew up with your entire life. There's just exactly. so much gunk in our lives that we're not taught to heal because we don't know how to. For sure. And you and I were talking about, I mean, we went deep and we're just like sitting in a Korean barbecue restaurant, like pouring out our hearts to each other and bless your heart too. You're, you're vegan. And yes. I was like, this is a moment. She is like, really, she is putting her heart out while she's surrounded by a barbecue. But I mean, 
it's not to make, but I, I just appreciate because that's that was like our our moment to really connect with each other and and recognize that our we are the common denominator. Like even it, we are the common denominator. We are we are us, and we take us with us wherever we go. And if we ignore that, and that's a, see, that's like it's spirituality, but it's very practical too. It's like literally facts. Like let's check facts right now. You are in every relationship. Like you can switch out the people, whether it's like your parent or your sibling or your coworker or your lover or whatever. What's the common denominator? You. You got problems? Like let's check it instead of like looking out to everybody else being like the problem. Like, oh, this person's an asshole and this person is like X, Y, Z. Well, what's the common denominator? You. So it's like, how do you respond to that? How do you? And so that's what I was like really, again, humbling to recognize this like, level that of of entitlement that I think I was carrying around because my ego was bruised and because I feel like I wasn't getting properly validated for XYZ and switching that narrative like on its head literally and being like, okay, let's remove all that for like a hot second. Let's just like stop that noise and say, you are entitled to nothing. You came into a world with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. And like, that person is their own entity. They have their own thoughts and feelings. They don't owe you anything. Let's remove that. What have you contributed slash taken from this situation? Like what, what is your participation and contribution to this? And that was like a complete continuous removal of ego for me that I'm still learning because I still flare up. I still get pissed and being like, you know, like F these people and like, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. But it always comes back to me having to check myself and and in that in like a loving way, in a loving framework, I guess, of like, Minji, stop. <laughs> Let's just stop for a second. Chill. And what's really going on here? What? Why is this so upsetting to you? Why are you so hurt right now? What is it that you're not getting from this person, but that you maybe could be giving yourself? And that's, again, sounds very, to some people, that sounds like super woo-woo and like, but here we are, you know what I mean? Regardless, whatever judgment some person can place on that, at the end of the day, it's like, well, here we are. And like facts are facts. Are you, are, are you, am, am I able to have that conversation with mm-hmm. myself? And so that's what I'm recognizing over the last few years that I wanted my goal, the thing that I do want, because I've been very focused on like what I want versus what I'm trying to avoid, because that's a mental shift for me too, is recognizing okay, I think what I want is to check my ego, to have it in its place because it has its purpose, but to have a smaller ego and a higher self-esteem. And then the higher self-esteem will be a result of practice self-love. And I need to remove all these like shameful feelings or like judgy feelings that I have of even like pursuing that because Girl, there's times where I was like, you know, as much as I like feel, oh, self-love and self-care and all this stuff, when I would think about it, yeah, there's part of me that would roll my eyes at it and be like, oh, God, Mm -hmm. self-love. That's cute. Like, for sure. And like, I'm like, why am I judging that? Why am I hating on somebody for wanting to like be good to themselves? Because the byproduct of someone hating themselves is like someone who goes out and like acts from that, that hate. You know what I mean? Exactly. So what so what do we really want here? Like these are all questions that I've been asking more and more. Exactly. And also I I think that people need to understand too when you're in a negative space and you choose not to work on yourself and you just choose to kind of 
react publicly like to the world like all of your things like you know the person who just like gives you an attitude for no reason or a person who's just like nasty to you on like the grocery line for no reason those people are attracting exactly what they are you know when you're in a, in a space like that you're going to attract people and situations and things into your life because all you're emitting is like anger hate bitterness insecurity like all this stuff don't you ever notice that where it you, like if you're dating someone that's like not great for you but like it's kind of a mirror or you like or, or you meet a friend that comes into your life and the way that they treat you is just like just horrible or something like that and it's like when you self-reflect and you take a moment it's like oh wait a minute i'm a mess <laughs> perhaps i'm attracting something perhaps and that's a cool yeah I love, <laughs> I wish I could take your face and put this in this podcast somehow. It's the best thing ever. But that this is what I'm saying is like, I feel like the questions in my mind switched up when I checked this ego situation. And that's what I, I've been like, at least in my personal deep relationships, I've been challenged by them and I've been challenging them to like, let's ask better freaking questions here. Instead, you know what I'm saying? Like, how are you, what what are you asking? Like, oh, why is that person so terrible? If you're acting out of a place of compassion, yeah, I think that is a great, great question to ask. Like, why are they so upset? Are they broken? Or are they, do they have things going on? What's going on with them? But also like, if you say like, why is everything so bad? Like, why does this, all this stuff keep happening to me? And like, you know, why is everything so terrible? Like, ask that question and try to reframe it. Is there something in me? I'm not trying to, it's not to place blame. It's just reframing the, the situation. Totally. Is there something in me that I'm allowing for this to happen? Is there something I could do to like remove myself from it, be a better participant in this situation? What, you know what I mean? Like I'm being challenged so deeply lately to ask better freaking questions. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I feel like the questions have not been yielding the right answers, yes. at least for me. And that's, total self-reflection and it's really important to ask yourself those questions like sometimes like if I want to like blow up on somebody because I have to work on that a lot because I go from like zero to 100 real quick I like have this moment where I have this voice being like okay okay do you need to be blowing up right now like why are you blowing up right now and then I'm mm-hmm. like I swallow and I swallow like everything and I'm like okay no I don't need to be like that I, this person like doesn't need to be feeling all my heat right now for no reason because I don't know how to handle like this situation so I really it's really helped me to like take that moment and be like, okay, you don't need to be spreading because so much hate and anger and like whatever the F right now. Right. I mean, we also, it's, it's, it's choosing your moments, right? Yeah. Cause you got to recognize like, this is going to take something really, it's going to take a lot out of me and it's, it, it can be self-sabotaging, right? Like you're going to, if you're acting out of ego and hurt pride and like just pure rage and not checking that you, you very likely will do or say something that will only make it worse for your situation, right? Like very, very often that's the case. And very rarely is it like, I just spew venom, like, cause I felt like, and I hate everybody and I feel all better. It's not, not usually the, the situation. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. So, but, I mean, we're also human, but yeah, we're also human. Exactly. But you know, this is everything that you're saying and everything people are learning during these times is it's it I think it's really beautiful the thing that I think that's beautiful that's come out of this is the self-reflection is really that people want to do the internal work and when you do the internal work and you and you really go deep inside of yourself and you start reprogramming and you really start saying those narratives before are in my stories now you mm-hmm. show up differently to the world. 
every room you walk into, every person you come encounter with, you're different. And people recognize that about you. So Mm -hmm. why the F wouldn't you want that? You know? Like, seriously. Like, come on. And, and, And there's nothing more attractive to me than having a conversation like this with somebody for example i i I was, i'm on a hinge because i'm like okay let's try this virtual dating what's it about what's it about and so me and this guy started texting i'm like oh he cute he cute we're talking we're like texting back and forth real quick and then you tell and i go oh are you spiritual and he's like oh not really like i believe i'm like agnostic i believe in something but i don't like really like whatever and he's like what about you and i was like yeah you know i think that there are a lot of levels to this life and uh i think it's um all about energy i'm like going down this whole thing the man ghosted me, okay? So okay. I really appreciate that we can have all of this like self just encompassing beauty talk with other people. And I think that you are very awakened and you're definitely like a tough chick. <laughs> if I had to describe someone about me, I'd be like, oh, she tough. <laughs> like she tough, okay? <laughs> Like, you'd be, like, a great lawyer. You would just be good at just, like, really defending somebody. That's, like, one of your gifts. Oh, thank you. And so I really think that your journey is going to be super deep and beautiful because, because yes, you're hard on yourself. And, yes, you feel everything as well. But Mm -hmm. also because you are very intuitive and you really are very aware of everything that's going on at all times. And so you should really see that as your gift. And I think that your journey is just going to be interesting. It's going to be hard. <laughs> you know, your, your journey's been hard. Shit. Mm-hmm. But just a that's what's going to make you exactly who you're going to be, like, as we go on in this life. Thank you, girl. I love you. You're oh, welcome. I'm about to cry. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, been, it's been interesting. I genuinely say like when we're in this moment of like reflecting on on even like the value of life itself, right? Like the fact that stakes are high and you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And even like before this, when I was going through like my moment with breakup and recognizing like the uncertainty of the future and like humbling myself in XYZ way, I really did take moments to really think about death. And I know that that can be really frightening and morbid to people, but I really thought about it. And I was like, look, if I die tomorrow, today next hour. Am I cool with that? And surprisingly, I was like scared to ask that question, but my answer to that was yes. And that was actually a very, very reassuring realization that, okay, that is, I think that's where I want to be. Not that I'm expecting to die the next hour, the next day or whatever, but it's like that, that, um, cliche of like, are you going to, how do you, how are you living your life? Like how, how, how do you feel like you want it to be at the end of it? And we don't know really like when that end is going to be. Um, but it was a really good reflection of like, this is my challenge then to maintain a level of integrity, I guess, like feeling like, I lived my truth, but I wasn't a dick about it, but I wasn't, you know, I was brave and not a coward, but I wasn't too aggressive. Like it's a fine balance for each person to kind of identify. And, and I feel like the beauty that I'm recognizing is everybody is so different. And I feel like my ego taking a backseat has let me stop being so insecure and jealous that like if other people shine and if they thrive and they do well, that it doesn't take anything away from me. Like that, I felt so embarrassed to admit and even now, like, but I feel more okay with that. Like that was the version of me that was so fearful 
That if others succeed, that somehow that means I can't. And I feel like this is a moment of us recognizing like there's enough for others to go around that we don't, we don't get depleted and we don't get screwed over if other people do well. Like we can do well and it's to our benefit that others do well and that they live a good life so that we're not living in fear of each other that they're going to steal our toilet paper or that they they won't call the ambulance if we collapsed in the street. Like, we got to look out for each other. You know what I mean? And that, that's a part of this egomaniac mentality that I'm really glad to be leaving behind and that I'm intentionally leaving behind. And also, like, accepting your kind words to, like, understand I have something good to contribute to the world. As much as I freaking love you and I appreciate your voice and your humor and your dancing and your TikToks <laughs> and, like, all of it all of it and elevating other stories and like also being vulnerable as an actress yourself to like put yourself, you know, on the line and show everybody who you are like in all of your most vulnerable moments as, as an artist, like that's incredibly admirable. And that is to me as an inspiration because like, especially in our industry, people get so competitive and get so like shysty about things because they're, they're really like thinking in a place of lack and thinking like, oh, if you do well, that means that you're taking away something from me. And I'm like, no, honey, she's doing well. She's like firing you up. Keep go and get the next project then. She got this one. You get the next one too. Like we can't all do all the projects, yep. right? Yep. So it's a, it's a lot. Um, and I, I'm being less self-censoring about even my own true thoughts and feelings, my own personality. Like I'm loud as hell. Mm. I I can be vulgar. I can, you know, I've gone through very colorful things and I used to shy away from like owning that because I felt embarrassed or like not ladylike or like whatever, all these, these, these things that I was programmed to think. And um, that's honestly why I love talking to you. And I love talking to people like you who let me be myself because you are yourself and then you're vulnerable and we can share our thoughts, like our true honest thoughts and feelings about the fact that like, yeah, you, you had a struggle with delivering packages for Amazon, but you went ahead and did it. Like to me, that's, I respect that, that you had courage. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. you faced it. You're like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I don't really like this, but I need to do it. So therefore, I'm going to survive. I'm going to do what it takes and I'm going to swallow my pride and I'm going to handle it. Mm -hmm. Like that is very inspiring to me. Thanks, girl. Versus somebody who feels like they have it all figured out and everything goes right all the time and like, you know, they shit, they shit gold and like it's all great. But for the rest of us human beings, like we have some things to sort through, right? And I also think that people should stop getting so caught up in, well, when's my time? When's my time? Because they had their time and blah, blah, blah. Because you have to understand that your time will come and there's things for you to listen to. And maybe, you know, you're chosen for the fast lane or maybe you're chosen for the long lane. I I always feel like, oh, I'm chosen for the long lane, right? <laughs> but I realize because I'm being prepped to really handle what I really want in my life. And if you had given me everything I wanted when I was a mess, I would have fallen apart completely. Oh, girl, yes. Speak on that. So you have to understand that when it comes, it can, you can manifest something, right? And just be like, I want it so bad. I don't care. I want it so bad. I want it, and it come to you, right? Or you can say, you know what? I trust in divine timing. I understand that my journey is unlike anybody else's. And I have to be okay with exactly where I am and just work towards where I want to be. 
And when it happens, you're going to reflect back and you're going to be like, oh, okay. I could never have handled the stress of like this industry. Listen, eight months ago, if I got like my dream role, I'd be freaking the fuck out. I'd be like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Because I I don't know. Am I ever going to get anything? Like it would just be, it would just be a constant, constant cycle of just ruining myself. But now I feel like even if I got my dream role right now, I wouldn't really stress about what the next thing is because it's like, I already know that I'm not in control of it. I just do what I can and I show up the best that I can and that's all I can do and everything else is divine timing. Preach. 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 I love you so much. I I, I think that's a very important message and reflection that we can like wrap this. I feel like this, this conversation was about survival. Like this is like, we will survive. There's a lot of ways that people are going to go about it. Um, and it's a mix of, I feel like based on what we've talked about, it's just doing the thing you got it. You got to act and you got to Like you got to You got to act on your own behalf. Like no one's going to do that for you. You got to work the job and you got to do the work and you got to ask the questions. You got to answer the questions. Like you got to do the work. And then the other part of it is trust. It's trust and it's faith and it's hope. And it's like, not just like not giving up like that's that's a that's an attitude and it's a mentality that will feed the action and vice versa exactly right exactly yeah yeah. well drop the microphone on that i know sidebar you did such a great job at the korean american storytelling thing (laughs) it was so funny you're a good audience you it was really good i just want to like give you props um what are like I like to to end with like resource sharing. Mm-hmm. What are the what are the like tactical what are the practical tactical things that you've been doing to stay sane? Like you talked about meditation. I actually like I I want to share like I have been doing therapy with betterhelp.com. Yes. I ain't even sponsored by them, but I'm promoting them because it was it was a really it's been great. That's great. So, what are what are things that you're doing to to survive, to help yourself survive? Yeah, I'm 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 true. I do try to be creative. So I, you know, whether it's writing, whether it's making a video, whether it's collabing with somebody to like do something on IG live or whatever it may be, I'm trying, you know, I'm really trying to focus on that, but also, uh, you know, watching movies, watching shows, I do a lot of inner work. And so, you know, questions that really just kind of dig deep into me. And I've been looking at like insecurities that I have and like where it's stemming from. So I do that. And that's like journaling. And that's like, you know, being listening to podcasts or like being part of like programs that offer self-help or whatever it may be. And I'm reading. I mean, Mm. I'm just trying to do the most up in here. (laughs) And a lot of FaceTime, a lot of FaceTime with like many people just to like be connected. That's so good. I was telling, I I had a conversation with uh, Wes Chan for Wong Fu and like he's naturally very introverted. So it's like different for different people, right? But um, some people are really just kind of like coming more into themselves. But then it's like also for us extroverts. I feel like I'm in the middle, but it's been it's been actually really good for me to like reach out and connect with people that I want to I want to see their face. And I'm like, dang, I should have been doing this the whole time, like even before quarantine. Like, why wasn't I FaceTiming you more? Like, it's so good to see them and like not just hear their voice, but like see their again. I love watching your reactions again people go go to Ellie's Instagram because you're you're I'm telling you your your facial expressions and your reactions give me life because oh, you're just like you, my face you're like funny. okay 
It's great. It's great. No, we need that. It gives life. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you're doing the most because it's right for you. And, um, you know, I actually really want to promote my friends. I did like rant a couple things where I was like cooking on Instagram mm. and that was like one of the most engaged yep. like little segments I, I ever got. And to me, I want to say why I love cooking, A, because it's like, it's a really good form of self-love. It is self-care and self-love is to like cook yourself a good meal, like nourish yourself. You are literally nourishing yourself. And it's really important for your immune system, by the way. Um, but also, I actually realized why I love it so much and why it's therapeutic. To me, it's like alchemy. You're taking something that was and then you're turning it into something completely different. What happens with that process of like the heat and salt and acid and fat, which is, you know, that show on Netflix is dope. But like you're changing something and you're you're actively participating yeah. in it. And it's a very satisfying feeling to make something that you enjoy and that's good for you. But that started as something very different. Yes. So I've, I've gotten deep on the philosophy of just cooking and recognizing it's it's good therapy and it's a good practice. And I know that my my homies out there, there's ones that are like, I can't even make ramen. Like, I believe in you. It's a practice. That's what we have YouTube for. You can do for. it. You can do it. And this is a moment where we're all going to kind of see what we're made of. We can all push the envelope in different ways and and transform. So, Ellie, thank you so much Thanks, for being here with me and just spending time. Yeah, and where can people find all your things? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Lee. That's also on TikTok. And I have a podcast called Just Woke Up Podcast. Just kind of like a one-on-one intro into the awakening, into the light. So I interview with just like divine beings and just talk about life. Uh, and is that it? What, what else do I got? I, you know, I got a YouTube channel. Just just follow me on Instagram. It's all there. What's the YJ for? My middle name is Yunji. Yunji? Stop it. We got Minji and Yunji up in here on Minji first and of Yunji. all. Minji and Yunji. I love it. My mom just goes, guys, dinner. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Divine timing. Divine timing. We're going to wrap it up right here. Thank you so much, Ellie. And thank you to everybody who's tuning in for this week's episode of First of All. If you were uplifted by this, encouraged and laughed or whatever, if you got good feelings from this, please share it with a friend and leave a five-star review. Subscribe, all the things. I appreciate all the love. And thank you to everybody who's been holding it down for me on Patreon. I love you guys so much. Uh, if you'd like to become a backer in any way, uh, go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And you can find it on Google Play. Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you find podcasts. And so check that out. And thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer, for holding it down for me in his isolation, in his quarantine out in the 626. And thank you to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger for the intro. And Uzuhan for his use of his song Uzu Trap for the outro. I love you, Ellie. I love everyone out there. Stay safe and stay healthy. Social distancing and washing your hands. Do it, okay? And uh, sending love, especially right now, to New York and everybody else. Be well. Bye. Came in 88 with a dream of so bright eyed. They knew right away, sick of swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting their teeth on the move. Nobody's filling these shoes. Balling on a budget, had to go to Narja. Super size number two. Cash. Way that the world ain't budging. Gotta make a power move. Hey, deep in the darkest dungeons. I'm digging up my own room. Hey, hands on the plow. Keep my head down. Keep my head down. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. 
We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.